Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Now, looky there. The sun came out today. Still frigid is all get out here in Duval. I mean, it's like Antarctica out there. But we saw the sun. We turned the page. We took on another day, middle of the week, almost the middle of the month, albeit it's day number 10 of January. And, uh, you know, I had everything pre-planned today. I did. I was like, you know what? This is going to be a uh, come to Duval type of moment. I really did. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about what I'm going to do at the at the beginning of the show. I mean, obviously, I have things planned each and every day. And it's either a good thing or it's a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. From the moment I get up, let's see, today I had to do something. Like, today I got up around 10.45, okay? From the moment I get up until the moment I get on the air, all I am thinking about is what am I going to talk about tonight? And that's always been case in point for me. The earliest I've ever done radio is 9 a.m. Most of my radio shows have been at either 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock. I did seven years worth of 10P to 2A in Chicago. And for the last few years, I've been here beginning at 6 o'clock. So it's always a very interesting thing about what am I going to do today? What am I going to do tonight? And I, I really had this plan. I, I, I thought it was going to be... And, and, and go over well with you as a listener about what I believe is next for the Jaguars, okay? I'm going to have to bottle that up for at least one show. Uh, maybe I'll get to it a little bit later on in the program, but I kind of feel as though I'll reserve that for Thursday. When you get the announcement like we got that Nick Saban is stepping away, that moves far in front of everything else. That becomes the number one story in all of sports, arguably the number one story in, in, uh, in news as well. What this man has done is simply amazing. Seven national championships, a record of 292-71-1. Remained a dinosaur in a world now where you can barely raise your voice at your players. And again, that's our fault, right? We're, we're, we've always been too easy on our kids. We wanted them to have it easier than we had it. So the end result is quit, transfer. You know, he looked at me wrong. The guy at the store that I'm working at gave me corrective criticism, quit. Where I'm playing college football, I'm now second string, transfer. I mean, it's our fault. We became so soft. And that's what we have nowadays with, uh, with Generation Z. They, they just, they're going to go somewhere else. I, it's surprising that Nick Saban was able to remain this successful 
considering that. And maybe we'll know down the road. I'm sure he's already been offered uh, huge money to, you know, write a book, um, whether it's an autobiography that he pens just himself, or maybe he sits down with a a talented author, writer somewhere, and they, you know, kind of get it from Nick Saban, but it's written in other words. I I don't know. And, And maybe we'll find that out. I mean, just about everything gets out, right? Outside of Bill Belichick benching Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl, that's like the only story that has never gotten out. Things get out. Nick Saban was rumored for this to happen, but why walk away now? Maybe the 12-team college football playoff is not something that Nick Saban wants to be a part. Going on and and being asked to win 15-plus games every year, maybe he thinks that's too much. I don't know. Uh, The way he went out, he lobbied, and he did things, um, frankly, unlike any other coach is able to do in the world of college football. When you talk about Nick Saban, there are so many brilliant things to say. The mass motivator, a guy that would be in your face as a player, a guy that would be in your face as an assistant coach, a guy that would be in your face as a member of the media. He's the king. No one did it like him. And that's what separates Saban from so many others. Yeah, there'll be comparisons to him and Belichick. And we still don't know if Belichick is going to officially stay on in New England. I got to believe that decision is going to be made this week. You know, the last two days have been surprising, even though it had been rumored with Mike Vrabel. thought that was a huge victory for Jacksonville, a huge victory for the AFC South. Now today with Pete Carroll, 14 years in Seattle, you kind of get the feeling there that they massaged him on the way out, right? They're going to kick him upstairs. Uh, he said yesterday the fire was still there, but, I mean, that that's where we are. That's where coaching is today. Belichick, 24 years. Is he coming back in New England? Mike Tomlin, 17 years. Has never had a losing season in Pittsburgh. There have been reports out for a couple of weeks. This could be it for Mike Tomlin. John Harbaugh. 16 years in Baltimore, probably the favorite right now, you know, to win the Super Bowl, where 14 teams remain. Of course, Harbaugh and Baltimore with the bye in the AFC. Uh, San Francisco, the bye right now in the NFC. Pete Carroll's gone. That leaves you with one other coach with more than 10 years' worth of experience with the same team, and that's Andy Reid. And, and there's been a little bit of how much longer is Andy Reid, you know, going to want to do this. That, that's just the world we're in when it comes to the NFL. Well, there's only 32 jobs in pro football. What about college football? You have a 20, 125 Division I A jobs, not to mention other jobs that are around with directional schools and what have you that, you know, we see around here a couple of times a year when Florida State, Florida, Miami, and Georgia will line up these schools. Kirk Ferentz has been there since 1999 at Iowa. Right, Kirk Ferentz, a guy who worked with Saban under Bill Belichick back with the Cleveland Browns years ago. After that, good luck. I mean, you got Mike Gundy, who's been in Oklahoma State since 2005. You got Kyle Whittingham, who's been at Utah since 2005. Uh, Next on the list was Nick Saban, 2007. So, 
you know, Dabo Sweeney, then it's Dave Doran, 2009-2013, respectively. We, we are in such a world now where being a longtime coach just does not take place. And, and I have to believe that social media has completely affected that because you are getting coaches and you are getting players fired in-game and after-game each and every weekend. I, I made a comment with two minutes to go during the Jaguars' loss in Nashville that if they were to come back and win that game, you know, if Lawrence had completed a pass and they scored and hit on the two-point conversion and won an overtime, I had never seen anything like it in my life while following Twitter during a Jaguars game. I mean, from the moment that game began, it was just filth being spewed by Jaguars fans who wanted everyone gone. And I made the comment with two minutes ago, boy, if they come back and win this game, everyone's going to delete their comments. Of course, I got it wrong, so others just piled on. But I was right. And, and I think that that, with social media, it does so many different things, but it, it puts pressure on franchises. It puts pressure on universities to make decisions. Remember the Greg Schiano deal going back three, four years ago at Tennessee? They were ready to bring him in. And first off, I got to tip my cap to those Tennessee fans. I didn't even know they had the ability to get on Twitter. That in itself was a total shock to me. But they did. And they prevented that now. So the media and social media has taken on a new way of life. Not being able to coach today's kids the way that Nick Saban was born and raised in this sport has to be a factor, okay? It is. I mean, when's the last time you've heard of anything outside of being a player's coach? Doug Peterson, two days ago. Just a terrible press conference. Just awful. I mean, everything about it was terrible. He told us that Luke Fortner had a good year. He told us that the rookie class had a good year. Um, It was bad. You can't throw anyone under the bus, man. You know, you no. You got to publicly defend them all. The only guy he called out in the best part of the press conference is that he actually put some of it on Trevor, which was by far the best part of what Doug Peterson said uh, when he did speak this past Monday. Nick Saban's going to rem- be remembered for so many things. No one in my opinion, in the history of college football, use the media better than Nick Saban to motivate his own team. He was brilliant with that. There's too many misses by coaches, and I've never understood this, okay? If you're brilliant and you're a tremendous leader, you can say things that'll spark an interest with your team. Now, I'm saying that with the knowledge that players are always going to play the role of, well, I don't listen. I don't listen to the radio. Well, I don't read Twitter. Well, I don't go to the newspapers. I don't do that. Um, Maybe that's becoming more and more relevant. I kind of find it hard to believe. I mean, the flip side of that with social media is we're seeing players attack media members and media members attack players and players attack players and players have podcasts and they say this and they say that. So I've always been a little bit, yeah, you know, right 
when I hear it. Uh, but there are some coaches who are just really bad at what they do. I just mentioned Dave Doran. What a jerk, right? I mean, he just who cares what Dave Doran has to say? He just he woke up angry, he remained angry, and he's going to bed angry. Nick Saban had the ability in Tuscaloosa to send the message to his team. And what was great about this with Nick Saban is oftentimes he didn't tell the truth. So many times he just flat out lied. I'll give you the greatest example we've ever seen. It was a year ago when he grabbed the podium and he said, no one cares more than those kids. No one tries harder than those kids. No one feels worse about losing this game than those kids. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? You scold today's kid. He's going to go to another school. What about those Alabama fans that have been a fan since the day of, of Bear Bryant and went through the awful years of Coach Perkins and, and Mike Shula and, you know, Gene Stallings. Okay, won a national title one year when they beat the U uh, in the Superdome. But what about these fans who live for it 365, 24-7? Everything bothers them. You can't expect a kid to be as hurt if they lose a game when he's on his podium choosing Alabama over Auburn and choosing Alabama over LSU and over Florida and Georgia, and they took visits to those schools and they almost considered going to those schools. There's a huge difference between the way a player at a team is going to feel and the way a fan of a team is going to feel. I mean, look at Florida State. Look at all the kids who opted out two weeks ago. You think they took that 63-3 to loss the way that lifelong Florida State fans take? So that's Nick Saban. He had the ability to lie. He had the ability to spin the truth. But still, it absolutely motivated and affected his team. This is the same man who complained whenever he was given the opportunity last year. Left out of the Final Four. Lost two games by four points. How many times did he tell us, if you were to look at it from an odds maker's perspective, they would have been favored in three of those four games. The only team they would have been an underdog to was Georgia. So Nick Saban says, put the best teams in. You spin that forward one year, what happened? Nick Saban lobbying. Nick Saban bitching. Nick Saban complaining affected the playoff, uh, the college football playoff committee. He's brilliant. He's the greatest that we've ever seen in this particular aspect. There's been other members of the media that have been more friendly, like Bobby Bowden. There have been other members of the media that have been a better quote, like Mike Leach. But no one used the media to get out of it the way that he wanted to better than Nick Saban. He's number one all time in that particular aspect. And if he was the coach of my school, I would freaking love it. Okay? Love it. There's not a thing he wouldn't have done to try to advance Alabama. So this is a sad day for college football. And that's an emotion I almost never get. I think it's a sad day for many of you out there. I'm not sad. I'm, um, I'm surprised. Okay, and I know there's a lot of dog fans out there and there's a lot of Gator fans out there. You folks aren't sad. You're probably happy uh, that he is, in fact, 
moving on. I, I just think we're witnessing again everything changing in this world uh, as we know it. Okay? I mean, it's been Pete Carroll. It could be Mike Tomlin. It could be Bill Belichick. Uh, Andy Reid, not too much farther uh, away. And, you know, when I grew up, coaches meant something in the NFL. Now, when I grew up in the 70s, you only had a couple of channels. It, you know, I grew up in Boston. The Patriots sucked, right? You became a Steelers fan or a Cowboys fan because it felt like they met in the Super Bowl every year in the 70s. But back then, the NFL, as much as it was defined by great players who in that era were running backs, right? O.J., Franco, Lido Mitchell. Billy Sims, Barry Sanders after. I'm thinking guys in the 70s, you know, um, Tony Dorsett, Earl Camp, Earl, the balls of Earl Camp. I mean, that's, that's what it was. But it was also coaches. When you grew up in the 70s, it was Chuck Knoll, it was Tom Landry, it was Don Shula, right? It was Bud Grant. It was one after another. It was Chuck Knox, you know, it became Mike Ditka uh, into the 80s. It became Bill Walsh. It, 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 was, it was a different world. It, it, it was the coach first, the team second. You can't say that anymore. You can't. I, I'll throw out 32 teams. Where do you put a coach? All right, Belichick. I'll give you that, especially with Brady gone. Where else do you say that in pro football? I'm asking. Where else? The the. Do you say Mike Tomlin? I mean, you should. The Rooney family has been more lo- You think Shad Khan's loyal? Look at the Rooney family. They've had three coaches in their lifetime. That was the NFL. And I get it. Everything changes. But we just hire and fire and hire and fire. When, and when you don't fire, people go crazy. Look at you. Jaguar fans, you're nuts here. You fired the defensive staff. Why did you fire the defensive staff when offensively every single statistical category went down? Yet you fired the defensive staff? You kept on the general manager who has done a really bad job um, putting this team together? Go figure. But that's where we are. And in college football, I mean, just think of your blue bloods. How many true blue bloods are there? How many blue bloods in the SEC, right? To me, it's always been three and three. It's always been LSU, Bama, and Auburn in the West. And it's always been Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee in the East. And if you want to Texas A&M me, man, I'm not in the mood. Texas I don't care who they bring in. They're never going to finish better than third in the SEC West. You want to Missouri me? You want to do that on a Wednesday? All right, Oklahoma's coming in. Texas is coming in. By the way, look at the tenure of those coaches in Venables. And look at the tenure uh, that's going on right now with Sarkeesian. Look at all your blue bloods. They're in and out. Who's second as far as blue bloods right now that Nick Saban is out? What, Dabo Sweeney? James Franklin? They come and they go and they come and they go. So this is the world uh, that we are in. And, yeah, uh, surprised. I got to tell you, this one 
got me today, even though we had heard the rumors that it, it could happen. This is a major surprise as far as I am concerned. Nick Saban calling it a career after a phenomenal run at Alabama. Again, 292-71-1. I thought today we'd spend a little time on Pete Carroll. He's one of three coaches in the history of the game to actually win a national championship and win a Super Bowl. You know, the other two from the U. Uh, Jimmy Johnson and obviously Barry Switzer. Uh, both being able to do that with the Dallas Cowboys. So we got a lot to do here over the next few hours. As always, I'm going to invite your opinion on the show at 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Anything I said on Nick Saban is fair game. Your opinion on Nick Saban is fair as well. Next up, it becomes who's the next coach? Getting a lot of Dan Lanning stuff that's rolling in. The age of 37, Dan Lanning. He was a graduate assistant at Alabama in 2015, more known for running that defense, obviously, at Georgia. He is currently at Oregon, which is nothing more than just a stepping stone job, right? We've learned that now over the last six or seven years. Kirby Smart would be their best get. If you're Kirby Smart, why would you leave what you have built with the pressure to go over to Alabama? To me, it makes absolutely The sense is one call, and that's Lane Kiffin. I would love it. I would absolutely love Lane Kiffin at Alabama. I mean, that would have a a Miami Hurricanes feel of the 80s for me. Lane came, he's, you know, this year he's like, no one wants to come here. These kids didn't want to come here. He, like, talks down the Grove all the time. And, He's phenomenal. He won 11 games there, okay? He spent three years and kind of resuscitated his career under Nick Saban at Alabama as an offensive coordinator. That would be my hire. And and I'm going to love it now if Bama, you know, old Bama folks and be like, oh, no, 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 we don't want that nonsense with Lane Kiffin. I think he would be the best hire for that job. Dabble Sweeney went to school there. Mike Norvell. His name is being mentioned. Hopefully, Norvell will grow up and come out and say no. Remember, he fooled around with it two months ago when Jimbo Fisher was fired at Texas A&M. Norvell had to play the role to give himself more money, contractually speaking. You know, it was, it was really Bush League by Mike Norvell. I have the quote right here. Um, for those of you who just think that maybe I, I woke up today and I decided to pick on Mike Norvell. No, I love Mike Norvell. I mean, he actually brought back DJ Lundy today. I'm really happy about it. But here's his quote when he was asked about being mentioned as a replacement at Texas A&M. Quote, there's not really any point to talk about it, okay? In a sense, it's funny how sometimes those things get out there and people want to try and use that, especially in recruiting and things like that. I told recruits two years ago, a lot of these guys – we're recruiting now, uh, yada, yada, yada. I guess I cut it off. Um, but no, just say no. Just say I'm staying at Florida State. I love it. There's not another job in the world I would take. Why do you have to go down the Jimbo Fisher road? Hey, Baloo, I'll tell you why. Because he wants to make more money. Instead of making $8 million a year, they're now going to pay him $9, $9.5 million a year. Okay. 
You had your best recruiting class. You had another really good transfer portal class. Just say you're not interested in the job. You're allowed to do that. I'm not interested. We'll see what Mike Norvell does. You know, he's going to be asked that by that fearless media in Tallahassee. All right, opening comments today brought to you by Schmunez Vision. Each and every night, they bring it to you. Um, This is a family organization, all right? High-quality medical and surgical eye care. You think your eyes and what? It becomes a distraction, right? It becomes a nuisance. Oh, I got to go get my eyes checked. When's the last time you've had your eyes checked? Oh, it was two years ago. What? How can you do that to your eyes? You only have one set. And it amazes me how we neglect that. Anything else in our body, something, you know, a twinge here or whatever, you immediately go to a doctor. Your eyes, it's like, oh, whatever. No big deal. I'll I'll miss this appointment. I'll go back. Uh Uh-uh. You need the best care with the best practice right here in Jacksonville. Dr. Neil Shmina has performed eye surgery on me, my right eye, eight and a half years ago. I just went in for a normal checkup, and he found it. He's like, bro, this needs to come out tomorrow. He performed surgery. That may be an issue for you. You may find massive fatigue here at the end of the day. You may think you got a cataract issue, right? You're in the office. Someone's talking about how they had a bad experience with cataract surgery. Oh, yeah, that's out there. And it's not something that you should ignore. You may not need surgery. Maybe a simple remedy for you. Uh, if surgery is the case, again, they are the best around. I want you to go to their website because it explains everything that they do, whether it's for you, your grandparents, your grandkids. It's simply incredible what they offer. And they are absolutely the best in town. Go to SchmunezVision.com. That is SchmunezVision.com. Care. You can see the Philly Godfather is coming up in 20 minutes. We will grab your response to this bombshell of an announcement coming out of Tuscaloosa today, the retirement of Nick Saban at the age of 72. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, Nick Saban out at Alabama. All of a sudden, that becomes a... Very interesting situation. Never easy to replace the man. And the pressure is enormous. We've seen it with some success. Miami's the greatest example, right? You went from Schnellenberger to Johnson to uh, Dennis Erickson to Butch Davis. Um, I actually said at the time, I thought they made a mistake firing Larry Coker when they did. Larry Coger was a Miami guy. He wanted to be there. He wasn't nearly as successful. Wasn't he the coach when they lost to Ohio State? Wasn't that Coker on the sideline with the late flag? Yeah, he won the national title the year before that. Yeah. I thought Larry Coker, but it, anyway. It, you know, Florida. Spurrier to Urban, right? But you had Ron Zook. Uh, Ron Zook recruited well. Recruit. I mean, I was there when they announced Bowden Field and Zook went in there and won as a lame duck. Okay, Florida State. You went, you know, Jimbo. Now, Jimbo held Florida State hostage. And it ended up working out because the end of the Bowden era was, was sour. Players weren't getting better. He showed too much loyalty within his staff. Hiring his son was an absolute disaster. And it was all sorts of stuff, you know, the fight on the plane between Chuck Amato and Jimbo Fisher, all that crap that happened. Uh, but that worked. Um, look at Alabama. Look at all the coaches they went through. Yeah, you won one with Stallings. 
Well, look at their lame years. Look at LSU. Okay, is it going to work now with with Brian Kelly? Heck, you won a title just a couple of years ago with uh, <clears throat> I can't even think of his name now. Help me out now. The coach. Who are we talking about here at LSU? Oh, uh, former USC. Uh, the book, The Meat Market, was right at the bottom. Eddie O. Eddie O. It's it's hard. It's hard to replace a legendary coach. So just to assume that Alabama is going to bring in a guy and all of a sudden, you know, they're going to be playing for a national championship next year is, is crazy to say. Yes, they have talent that is right there with Georgia and Ohio State as the, as the best college football talent uh, in America. But the pressure is going to be incredible. And you know whoever goes there is going to become the highest paid coach in college football. And you're still going to have a tremendous amount of, uh, of resources there. It feels like it's Dan Lanning's job to lose. That's what is being said right now. Um, you know, Oregon has become a stepping stone job. It has. To me, Oregon's a top 20 job. Right? It's not a top 10 job. It's a top 20 job. You can make a nice living there. You can be successful there. You're not going to win a national title there. We saw it. I've been saying it forever. Even though UW made it to the finals, you're not going to win a, a title there. You're not going to win a title at TCU. You're not going to win a title at Virginia Tech. You're not going to win a title at Oregon. There's only a few schools out there that you can legitimately win a title at. You can at Alabama. So to me, yes, that makes sense. But I think you got to look outside the box here. How can Alabama not want to go after Lane Kiffin? I, I think Lane Kiffin's a better coach than Dabo Sweeney. I think Dabo Sweeney got two tremendous quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are difference makers. Jimbo Fisher's been as average as the day is long at Florida State and Texas A&M when he didn't have Jameis Winston. He had first-round draft picks and Christian Ponder and E.J. Manuel and still blue games, in-game. Hold on. You think Lane, Lane Kiffin is a better coach than Dabo Sweeney? I do. I think Dabo Sweeney— Because he had quarterback. Like Part of being a college coach is recruiting those quarterbacks. I understand that. I do. And Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence were absolutely— What about Taj Boyd? Like What about the quarterbacks before they— they, they were good for a long time. They're still good. They won 11 games. They I mean, beat, like, what uh, has Lane Kiffin ever done? Florida he State, was at USC. He had good quarterbacks. Florida State beat Clemson in overtime in a game where he kept Stout in instead of Watson, which was Clemsoning 101. And that's what I mean by Dabo Sweeney is that he's – He's made a lot of mistakes in his coaching career. He's also won multiple national championships. Well, listen, I, he's he's one of the top coaches in America. I'm not dismissing that. I just happen to think Lane Kiffin has learned from his mistakes, and the best football that Lane Kiffin has is ahead of him. If if you know, if I had to say who am I hiring, Lane Kiffin or Dabble Sweeney, I'm hiring Lane Kiffin. But that's not what you said. What did I say? You said he's a better coach. I think he is a better coach. I do. I think he's a better coach. I mean, you can disagree. That's fine. I do. I just yeah. he's won nothing. No, he hasn't. But he just won eleven games in Mississippi. 
Well, one guy won national championships at Clemson. I know, but the comparison I'm giving you is the same thing with Jimbo Fisher. Good teams, incredible talent, but won national titles with two really good quarterbacks. The way that, I mean, Jimbo Fisher won one national title with one really good quarterback. He had other quarterbacks selected in the first round. Uh, Dabo's way better than Jimbo. I'm not even talking, I'm not talking about Jimbo. What I, at, listen, Clemson was nothing when he got there. They're a blue blood power now. Like, they are constantly bringing in massively good defenses as well as offenses. Like, I wouldn't just say they're, they got lucky with two quarterbacks. You look at, I don't agree um, with that. You look at his two losses this year, egregious mistakes. Duke and, uh, and Florida State are the two that come to mind. I don't remember if they lost the third game. Did they lose then? Yeah, State? they have three losses. I yeah. know they have. They went eleven and whatever that is. Listen, this is a good argument. Who's a better coach? I what I'm looking at is, I remember when Lane Kiffin was here. He had a reputation as being lazy. He had a reputation as a guy who loved the nightlife. He had no power when he was with the Raiders. I remember Warren Sapp walking off the field in the game here, throwing his helmet and totally disowning him as a head coach. He was a disaster at USC. He was a disaster at, uh, at, uh, tennis, uh, at uh, Tennessee. I think the three years he spent at Saban has turned him around. I, I think, it, put it this way, if, let's just say hypothetically, and we got to hit this break because I have the godfather waiting for us. We're going to pick up this conversation on the other side. If Mike Norvell got the job at Alabama, if I had my pick of one coach who's available in college football, it wouldn't be Deion Sanders. It would be Lane Kiffin. That, that's my opinion. But well, let's get back to this in a little bit. I do want to bring back the Philly godfather. Uh, he's going to take us through the money and what's going on this weekend during the wild card of the NFL playoffs. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Wild card weekend in the NFL. We have six huge games on tap. A couple of buys, as you know, both Baltimore and San Francisco in the AF and NFC, respectively. Let's bring in the Philly Godfather. Mr. Godfather, how are you? Just trying to make some money for everyone out there listening, man. Having a great year so far. Michigan Cash Force. We had futures on them before the season started at 9-1. So everything's going pretty good, right? I know you put that on Twitter, but what a trip to the window. Nine to one. So what was the, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what was the, uh, the uh, you know, the the stack uh, that you put in your wallet when it was all said and done? <laughs> I had three dimes at nine to one, and I had uh, two dimes at eight to one. So you wow. Do the math. Yeah. Wow. And you it's hit the LSU good. a few years ago with that as well. Those were better odds. Uh, I had 41 on LSU to win it all. I had uh, plus 1450. Uh, to make the uh, to make the playoffs and plus four fifty to win the SEC that year, and everything just clicked. So that was a magical season as well. So w- when will you look at it for next year? Because you know Nick Saban just is an- announces his retirement. You got to believe that you know it's Dan Lanning or it's Dabo Sweeney or it's Lane Kiffin or it's Mike Norvell. You're going to go somewhere and get a, a proven coach. So that's going to affect at least two schools, and it could affect a third school by the replacement going you know, to whoever takes that job at Alabama, when do you put everything together as far as your futures in college football? 
usually like late August before the season starts, right before the season starts. I want to see what the returning production is. Like last year, the main reason why I picked Michigan was out of the four powerhouses, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, and Michigan, they were the only ones returning their quarterback. And mm-hmm. I looked at the returning production, which was like 96 percentile in the country. You look at some other factors. You look at who they're playing, strength of schedule. And I knew as long as they can get in the college football playoffs, well, then there's an opportunity to hedge. Yeah. You know? And that's uh, basically, you know, the mindset. Not necessarily picking maybe who people think is the best team in the country, but a team that's almost as good. And then maybe if some injuries pop up, if the ball bounces their way, they can win the whole thing, and that's what happens. Yeah, I, I use that same philosophy with the quarterback returning, and I end up picking the Heisman Trophy winner. The only problem is LSU didn't have any defense, so uh, LSU did not work this past year. All right, the Philly Godfather, let's get after it. What a weekend, wild card weekend. It is not Jacksonville, it is Houston. And that is game number one. They'll be taking on the Cleveland Browns. Your thoughts on this matchup? Man, I try to be as unbiased as possible because that features on the Browns at 40-1 to 1 before the season started. So I'm trying to look at this game as objectively as I can. Uh, the line originally opened up with the Browns being a small one-and-a-half-point road favorite. Uh, the combined total was set at 43-and-a-half. And since then, we've seen movement on the side in the total. Uh, the price of the Browns had reached that key number of three before there was some resistance in the market, pushed it right back down to two-and-a-half where it currently sits. The total seemed like a one-point uptick, depending on where you shot the 44-and-a-half. And that's mainly because this Browns defense isn't the same on the road as it is at home. They're giving up almost 30 points a game on the road this season. And the combined total scores of Browns games on the road this year is like 54 points. Uh, the early bet splits from Vegas and offshore, betting public's all over Joe Flacco's team. I mean, it's such a great story. Right around 70% of all the tickets played so far uh, have been on Cleveland. Like I said, this isn't an easy game to handicap because it is on the road and the drop-off in the Browns defense is huge when they hit the road. Uh, if it was at home, it'd be a much bigger bet for me. Uh, this Texans team, I mean, they've exceeded all expectations this season. They got a gunslinger at quarterback. Uh, he missed two games this year, and they still found a way to win nine games and win the division, which shocked me because I had Jags futures at the beginning of the year to win the division. But when they stepped up to play the upper echelon teams like the Browns and the Ravens this year, they really didn't fare too well. I like the Browns here on the money line. I mean, like I said, every time the Texans stepped up, in competition, they lost. And with Joe Flacco rejuvenating this Browns offense, I mean, they're putting up an average of 28 points a game since he became the starter. I think the Browns are a little too much for this young Texans team. Big emotional win last week. Letdown spot here for the Texans. You got Flacco, who's got a Super Bowl ring, a bunch of experience. You got Schwartz, defensive coordinator, who's got a Super Bowl ring. You got a lot of experience on this Browns team. I like Cleveland here on the money line. And minus two and a half. As long as they don't turn over, uh, lose the turnover better here, I think they win again. All right, there you go. Cleveland money line as well. With the uh, We'll see what happens with that final number. We'll get to three right now. It sits at two and a half. Uh, the nightcap in Kansas City. The Dolphins, they've had a lot of injuries as of late. And, you know, Kansas City, they, they rested all of their key offensive players last week. Yeah, and they're the healthiest team going into the uh, AFC wildcard playoffs right now, Kansas City. But, the, you know, the points spread is a great equalizer. And right now it's up to four and a half. I'm sitting back. I mean, the public's all over Kansas City here. The whole world's given up on this Dolphins team. But they played Buffalo kind of tough last week. Uh, last time these two teams played, it was in Germany. Uh, Chiefs jumped out to an early lead, and then uh, Miami came back. Uh, even though both teams have the same record, Miami has a better point differential on the season at plus 35. And the Chiefs have had some issues turning the ball over this season. They're ranked uh, the fifth worst in turnover margin. Um Early action, Chiefs are getting all the love from the public, over 70% of the action. 
I'm hoping this game gets to six. If it gets to six, I'm going to be taking the Dolphins plus six. Right now, it's a no bet for me at four and a half, okay. but I'm expecting this line to keep rising. Uh, Philly Godfather, your information, please, so our listeners can get a hold of you. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, at Philly Godfather, or you can stop by the phillygodfather.com. Oh, let's take a look at two more games. Let's get Pittsburgh and Buffalo. That's the first matchup on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, how can you not love the way the Bills have been playing? Five uh, wins in a row, six of the last seven. They came back to win the AFC East out of nowhere, and they're the much healthier team heading into this uh, matchup. But laying 10 points is a ton when you got a bad weather game like here. They're expecting 30-mile-per-hour wins, 50-mile-per-hour wind gusts. The total's down to 35, and you're giving me 10 points. I kind of like the Steelers here. Uh, the Steelers also protectable much better than uh, – the Bills do. They're ranked uh, fourth in turnover margin, uh, while the Bills are ranked twelfth in that metric. I know TJ's out, and that's a big loss. But with this type yeah. of weather, man, I'm leaning towards the Steelers here plus ten. Yeah, I, yeah. With the weather, I, I look at the total a little bit. I mean, it looks well. Play it well. Thirty six and a half. Do you have a feeling there? I mean, it opened what forty two. It went down to thirty five. It's starting to climb back up. I mean, Josh Allen's arm is strong, man. And if any quarterback can get it done in, in, in bad weather games, it's him. At thirty, at thirty six, it's tough, man. Yeah, leave it alone. It's right there. Yeah, 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 I would leave. All right, let's wrap it up with uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, They get the game on Monday night here. They'll play host to Philadelphia. Yeah, this game opened up Philly two and a half. Uh, It's up to that key number of three. Uh, The betting public still doesn't think this Buccaneers team is any good. And as of right now, sixty five percent of the early action is on Philly. But when you take a deeper look into these teams this season. Baker Mayfield has better numbers than Jalen Hurts. He's been the better quarterback this year, okay? The Buccaneers' defense is better than Philly's. They've given up 103 less points on the season. Tampa is ranked much higher than Philly in the turnover margin. Philly can't hold on to the ball. I think they're like the fifth worst or the sixth worst in the NFL when it comes to turnovers. Tampa has the better point differential. And going into this game, the Buccaneers are the much healthier team. they got a plus-seven SIC health score over Philadelphia. And Tampa Bay's at home. I mean, unless there's a magic turn-on switch for teams in the NFL that actually exist, I think the wrong team's favorite here. I like Tampa Bay at plus three or better. If you want to tie them into a seven-point teaser or a six-point teaser with the Cowboys, I think you cash that ticket as well. Hmm, very interesting. All right, uh, leave us once again, Philly Godfather, with uh, information out there so uh, folks can uh, get a hold of uh, everything that you do. Yeah, thanks, Rick. Thanks for having me on every uh, every week here, man. I try to give you guys as many winners as I can. Oh, you have follow that. me on Twitter. Yeah, follow me on Twitter, at Philly Godfather, or uh, you can stop by the website, thephillygodfather.com. Philly Godfather, best of luck with all your plays. We'll pick it up again next week. Thank you. Good luck, guys. There he goes, the Philly Godfather. So some interesting picks there. I'm just looking back at last year wild card weekend. San Francisco a winner at home. Jacksonville a winner at home. Buffalo a winner at home. New York, the Giants won on the road at Minnesota. Wow, I forgot about that. Cincinnati beat Baltimore at home. So that's 5-1. and one. Dallas won on the road. So road teams a year ago were 2-4. and four. We'll see what happens coming up this weekend with the majority of the home teams, as you would expect, are actually the favorite. The only one who is not is the, AF, uh, the AFC South winner. That is Houston. Cleveland's a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, but Kansas City favored over the Dolphins. The Bills favored over the Steelers. The Cowboys favored over the Packers. The Lions favored over the Rams. And check that. Philadelphia is a field goal 
uh, favorite this weekend in Tampa Bay. So, uh, again, two and four, if, uh, if the favorites all win, that'll be an identical record from one season ago during Wild Card Weekend. All right, we got much more to do. Plenty more on Nick Saban later in the show. We do want to get the very latest on the Jaguars. Let's bring in our buddy John Osher. He goes into the night next. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. It's been a crazy day as far as coaches in both college and pro football. Yesterday, Mike Vrabel. John Osher is going to join me here in 30 seconds. Uh, We talked about that with John last week about how great it would be if the Jags could drop a number on Tennessee and get Mike Vrabel out of the AFC South. Well, at least the latter did take place. Today, Pete Carroll, 14 years in Seattle. He becomes the Seventh coach let go, so seven jobs are open as we speak right here at 7 o'clock. And, of course, Nick Saban retires in the world of college football. Just incredible. John Osher is the senior writer at Jaguars.com, and he joins Rick Ballou. Uh, you know, all your years, have you, have you, maybe the two that he was at Miami, did you did you have an opportunity to get with Nick Saban? I did not. I, I uh no real interaction with him. Uh Mainly because I covered colleges until about ninth four, and he really wasn't a huge factor at that point yet. He was still coaching with the Browns, right. uh, so I sort of missed him. What I do know is when I was at the Colts, uh, the higher up there really, really, really respected uh, Nick Saban. I think he was at Michigan State then, if I recall. Yeah, uh, there was some talk there when they hired Dungey that they were also very uh, intrigued by the Saban possibility. They thought that he could make it work in the NFL. Uh, I don't know what the circumstances were in Miami. My my sense is it's been easy to say, well, Saban didn't work in the NFL, uh, so he was a college coach only. My sense is in the right situation, I imagine he could have been a very good NFL coach as well. So they certainly thought he could. And, uh, you know, that was Bill Polian, I, I, I believe, who thought that intensely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, it, you know, probably NFL is so situational. Obviously, all coaching is. Uh, but I think in the right situation, he could have been a successful NFL coach. But uh, he certainly goes down as, what, one of the best two or three, uh, maybe best ever to coach college. Yeah, there's no question. And, you know, we're seeing seven or eight, nine changes a year in the NFL. So, with Pete Carroll gone, and you know we're still waiting on Belichick, who's been there 24 years. But you got Tomlin with 17 seasons, and there's talk that he may walk away. Harbaugh in Baltimore has been there for 15 years, and Reed in Kansas City, 11 years. But it it, it feels like these are these are truly dinosaurs, John. I mean, the days of having coaches for double digit years or more in the NFL and in college, it's not going to happen anymore. Yeah. I think it. I think it might still happen. Not Belichick. What's uh, What's Belichick now? Twenty four. Twenty four. Okay. Um, I don't know if it'll happen with that. That's an unbelievable historic run, obviously. Uh, but I think the over ten in the right situation, the right franchises. My guess is when Harbaugh hangs it up in in Baltimore. Uh, they may be a Steelers kind of organization that mm-hmm. says, you know what, 
we're going to go, we're going to stick with it, we're going to have faith. Uh, you know, and I, I think the Steelers, when Tomlin hangs it up, I, the way they approach things, it it would not surprise me to see uh, that be a long-lasting thing. I think the organizations that truly believe in stability can withstand a couple of down years. Uh, there's no law that says you have to be fired for 7-9 and nine or 7-10. and 10. Uh, Those organizations believe they will look at the reason that that, that something happened. And if they don't believe it's the coach, they won't fire the coach. So I I think it'll happen, uh, but it'll still take something special for it to happen, if that makes sense. John Osher, our guest, senior writer, Jaguars.com. He joins Rick Ballou. All right, several changes. Nine coaches uh, were let go by Doug Peterson here in Jacksonville, most of the defensive coaches are let go. So right now, they are in the process of bringing in a new defensive coordinator. I know they made inroads uh, uh, with a couple of guys. Uh, they were denied in Carolina with the opportunity to speak there. What, what, what's your what's your gut telling you? What what type of of defensive coordinator? I mean, Leslie Frazier out of football for a year. Wink Martindale's available. Which direction do you think they're going to go? Yes, yeah, and Leslie might be one that you wouldn't hear about because you don't have to ask for approval on that one, if that makes sense. You know, a a lot of times the news gets out from the other team. When somebody requests permission, somebody on that team will sort of leak it to somebody. With uh, Leslie Frazier out, uh, that could be one that's kept under wraps a little bit, just like sort of with Doug. Remember, nobody had to ask for permission because he was out of it. Um, I don't really have a feel for philosophy um i would think that it would surprise me if it was not an experienced old hand meaning an ex-head coach which leslie frazier would fit somebody who has coordinated for a long time but is not on the head coach path uh and i only say that because you went the other direction with mike caldwell and the way Doug coaches, he's very much, I'm going to coach the offense and leave the defense to the uh, defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. You would think that an experienced DC that is used to running his defense like a team would make sense. Uh, So I'd be surprised if that's not the direction, but I, I don't know that. It just seems logical. The conversation that we always have, not not necessarily you and I, but I have with quite a few people, and I imagine you've done it quite a bit as well, is, is this team truly set up better this way or, or a 4-3? Most of these defensive coordinators do run a 3-4, and let's face it, most teams in the NFL right now are running a 3-4. So does, does that matter? Is it the guy to come and run this defense, or is it a guy's system to look at the talent that this team has and then all of a sudden you say to him, run your defense, even if you may have to change your overall philosophy. Yeah, see, to me, I, I think sometimes 3-4 versus 4-3 gets overplayed in this day and age because you're running so much nickel that it all sort of becomes the same with that. And it's hybrid. And I get there's exceptions to that. But my guess is anybody looking at this job they have one question. Are 41 and 44 still going to be there? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, well, I can make it work. You know, and, and that's way too simplistic, but you follow me. 
both those guys, to me, can rush the passer. They can play in. They could play in a different system. And to me, they're the cause. And, and uh, Foyer, the same way, if, if you consider him a core piece, well, he can play middle just as he played inside linebacker with somebody next to him. So I think the personnel um, is – I think it's a little more about do we have somebody who uh, who can run it on their own, who can take advantage of Josh and Trayvon? Because to me, there's nobody else who has to be worked around on defense. Um, I'm not saying nobody else can play, but – those two guys up front, as long as you know what to do with those two, uh, you can make everything else work. So I, I don't, I think it's more hybrid. Uh, we can get it done as long as those two guys are involved. John, I think this is going to be the most fascinating off season in franchise history. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no shortage of eight to 10 major decisions, if you look at re-signing, restructuring, and I'm not even talking about the draft here. I'm just talking about this current roster. Yeah, philosophically, what is the offensive line going to be? You know, uh, do you feel like you're set? Do you feel like injuries were the reason that it didn't work? Do you have to do something at center? Uh, Are you going to build that through the draft? Uh, You know, maybe I'm wrong. I... I could see if you've got three first day picks, or I'm sorry, not first day, first two days. Yep. The offensive line being two of those three. I mean, it, because you feel like you need to build that, uh, but you got to figure out what to do with Josh. Philosophically, what are you? So, yeah, I get it. I mean, oh yeah, is Ridley part of your thing going forward? Uh, he disappointed fans. I don't know that he disappointed the organization. You got a thousand yards and what? I lost track. Eight touchdowns out of seven touchdowns. Right. Um, Josh and Ridley, Ridley to a lesser degree. If they're gone, what do you do to replace them? Mm-hmm. Because you've got to, you know, I think especially with Ridley, I see all kinds of people saying, "Well, well, get rid of Ridley. He wasn't a fourteen hundred yard guy like you promised." Um, do you know that you can draft that production? No, I don't, you know. don't know. Yeah, that. yeah. yeah. so it's... that's where, and you've got other things to spend your draft capital on that you feel like you need to get stable there for the long term. It's uh, it's what I mean incredible. by that is, yeah, two offensive linemen. All of a sudden, you draft two offensive linemen, and now you've got Anton, two offensive linemen. Well, now you've got your line. You feel like you can plug and play other guys, right? So, yeah, and all these are hypotheticals. I have no idea. They don't know what they're doing in the draft yet. Oh, my goodness. But, I mean, but those are the questions of philosophically how are we going to build this thing? Yeah. You restructure some of those offensive linemen. You restructure Oloakon. You restructure Kirk. Uh, you, you pick up a fifth year option on ETN. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And, you know, you could put a franchise tag on Allen or Wrigley, but. With everything that was talked about as far as miscommunication, do you want to put a franchise tag on Ridley and not have him practice in the month of August with Trevor? I mean, it's it's um it's amazing. That's why I said it's going to be the most interesting off season that I think this franchise has ever had. Yeah, and I think what's important to not lose sight of, though, and 
I get the the visceral reaction. I, I wrote in the Ozone. I woke up Monday and felt sort of like I'm, I'm sure fans felt with a, oh, yeah, that really happened, right? Like you wake up and you wonder if it was a dream <laughs> because it was so intense the last few weeks and that game was so awful Sunday. But And then the automatic reaction is, well, everything sucks, right? Like that's every question now. Everything sucks. Well, they were 9-8, and eight, and they won. There were things that worked. And until Christian and the quarterback got hurt, I still feel like a healthy Christian Kirk and a healthy Trevor Lawrence down the stretch, and we're having a different conversation. Yeah. That doesn't mean everything's right. That doesn't mean there's not things that have to get fixed. But it also doesn't mean that you were 3-14 and 14 with everything just garbage. So, you know, nine and eight, there's still a path to being pretty good next year. And that's what makes the offseason interesting. Now, now, Rick, I guess what I'm trying to say is we're back to being NFL normal. Like for a while, it was just so atrocious. You couldn't even imagine being good. Now you're nine and eight. You make the right moves. You ought to be able to go after it. But the right moves are going to be the storyline. John, great stuff all year. Uh Get some time away with the wife. Take a few days off, and I know we'll talk uh, time and again before things really kick off again down the road. But uh, as always, appreciate everything you brought here to the show, and uh, get away for a few days. Call anytime, Rick. You know I enjoy it. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you John. There he goes, John Osha. Good stuff from him every Wednesday night, and you can read everything from John. Just go to jaguars.com. John and his staff, he is the senior writer. I was going to begin with this tonight. I'm actually going to. I'm going to bottle it up and save it for tomorrow night. And then, of course, you know what's going to happen. It's going to be announced tomorrow that Bill Belichick is, is, is retiring or, exactly. or something crazy is, uh, is going to take place. But um, I like the way John said that because that's the way that I'm thinking with this. I, I, I kind of want to take you to a spot and then tell you that this year – is going to, I mean, this is going to be absolutely nuts. It is going to be spectacular. There are so many moves that this team has to make. And again, I don't want to go through it right now because I, 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 I'm, I'm going to save this. I, I want to get back to the most important story of the night. That's Nick Saban and his retirement right now in Tuscaloosa. There is, uh, there's all sorts of things happening, including uh, five-star recruits uh, decommitting, uh, the conversation about who the next head coach should be. So I want to get back to that. It, believe me, we're going to have plenty of time during the offseason. But just you know, the moves that John and I just talked about, that, that's just a few of them. So many people believe now this organization cannot afford to let Cam Robinson go. I've been convinced forever that he's done. Forever. Others think you bring back Sheriff. You restructure that deal. So... I mean, every position group. Can you really say goodbye to Zay Jones and Calvin Ridley? Um, the defensive line, interior, there's no question they're going to bring back Josh Josh Allen, but you're going to give him what he's earned. Are you going to pay him top defensive end money for the next three, four years, or are you going to slap a tag on him? And I agree with what I said with Calvin Ridley. You, you, he's not franchise tag eligible in my world. Because there's a guy who has to practice. There's a guy who has to be out there with Trevor Lawrence. How many times this year did Doug Peterson talk to us about miscommunication? In and out, this and that. Calvin Ridley, all right, 
in my opinion, Josh Allen can miss work and show up the week of the game. You don't want that, but he's missed uh, mandatory minicamp and volunteer or whatever it's been in the offseason. I think Josh Allen's all right missing it. I don't want anyone doing it, but if you're going to tell me who misses time practice-wise, Josh Allen or Calvin Ridley, 100 out of 100 times, I'm going to tell you, all right, let Allen do that. Not Ridley. That's a problem with him. So uh, just part of everything that is uh, is going on. All right, right now at the Blue Crab Crab House, man, they got dollar oysters. That is happening right now. It's each and every Wednesday. They're still open up until 9 30. So that is each and every night at the Blue Crab Crab House. They are located right off of San Jose, of course, on Julington Creek Road. A ton is rolling in on the text line. If you want to join the conversation, 641-1010. That is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. BetOnline.com, the odds to become the next head coach at Alabama. Dan Lanning, 3-1. Dabo Sweeney, 4-1. Lane Kiffin, 5-1. Deion Sanders and Kalen DeBoer, 6-1. Pat Shermer, 9-1. Urban Meyer, 10-1. Are you ready for this one, ladies and gentlemen? Grab the steering wheel with both hands. Billy Napier at 14 to 1. Derek Dooley, 14 to 1. Mike Norvell, 16 to 1. 20 to 1, Ryan Day. 22 to 1, D'Amico Ryans and Marcus Freeman. 25 to 1 is James Franklin and Sharon Moore. A lot of people think Moore will get the job if Jim Harbaugh goes to the NFL. Mike Shula, 28 to 1. Love that. Steve Sarkeesian, 35 to 1. Steve Sarkeesian, that that should be, in my, in my opinion, if Mike Norvell remains successful, that's the only job that you should be concerned that he would leave Florida State for. Because he's a Texas, he's Texas born and raised. And you know, I didn't like the way he handled the Texas A&M deal. It's so easy to just say no, right? Wasn't it Nancy Reagan? Just say no. That worked. <laughs> what about Mike Norvell to Alabama? That got to uh, that got to everyone. Just say no, drug wise. I mean, we haven't had a drug problem since Nancy <laughs> Reagan said that. She ended it. Thank uh, my, God. Yeah, Mike Norvell is. Um, <clears throat> Well, on this list, he's he's really down the pecking order. He's because I've seen him pretty high on other ones. So I right. guess it depends on the bookie. Yeah, it does depend on the bookie. But I see all kinds of stuff, man. But and then some of these get Dan silly. Lanning is number one on all of them. Right? They they got uh, Will Muschamp forty to one, Mario Cristobal fifty to one, <laughs> Mike Vrabel fifty to one. Mike Price has a better chance of getting higher, rehired than Mario Christopher. Oh, remember that story with the stripper? Of course. It's rolling, baby. It's rolling. Remember he was saying, say, let's roll. And she's like, it's rolling. Her <laughs> name was Bambi. It's rolling, baby. It's rolling. Mike Price. Mike Price showed up and he hit every bar in town. And then he got wasted in Pensacola at some uh, charity golf event and ended up with a stripper in his hotel room. And he got pinched. 
That was before the days of cell phones, too. Oh, yeah. Speaking or very early days. Speaking of rolling, um, the Auburn fans have already rolled Toomer's Corner. Are they really? Celebrating the... I don't blame them. Ha ha, Clinton Dix is on here. It's 75 to 1. Is he like an assistant? Major Apple. Ha ha, Clinton Dix. I mean, how long? How, how? He's 20 or he's 31. I was going to say, how far has he been removed? It feels like he was there like four or five years ago. I guess it has been near, nearly a decade. So I guess he just got a job there last year. Uh, Dion, that one makes me laugh. Uh, that's never happening. No, not going to happen at Alabama for him. I think he gets a blue blood job soon. And it could be a disaster if he can't coach. I mean, he's got to hire great coordinators. And people just, I mean, Dion did not, Dion got off to a phenomenal start. They, he did not coach well and they did not play well. I watched Colorado probably play seven or eight games this year. It, who came from behind and beat him? Was that Oregon State? Was that who he? Stanford? Uh, it it might have been Stanford. Stanford. They were down big. They were like yeah. 28 nothing. They came back, won in overtime. He he didn't seem like a great on-field, in-game coach yet. Obviously, he's still, what, is only his third season coaching or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does take a while. I mean, we've seen it. Kirby's a better coach, although Kirby just basically, you know, delegates his authority defensively and allows uh, his offense coordinator to, to call plays. Mike Norvell's become a better in-game coach. We'll find out if Billy Napier is going to become a better in-game coach. Um, that is a that is a huge part of this process. I mean, where do you define the coaching compared to, you know, at the NFL level? Look at we spent Monday and Tuesday talking about the the in-game decision making, the lack thereof, with Trevor Lawrence. You know those those last two drives are mystifying. To take that quarterback sneak, but you have the polling of Brandon Sheriff and Luke Fortner where they're absolutely not on the same page. You don't run a quarterback sneak behind the center when your center's pulling to the right and your right guard is pulling to the right. And then on, you know, those final two plays, third and fourth down, it looked like he really f- tried to force the ball and, and went to his premier uh, target. He He didn't read his progressions at all, so... Ryan Williams, who's a five-star at Alabama, okay, has decommitted. Now, he's a top-ten recruit who was going to commit and sign in February. There's still a few of those out there, of course. I think it was December 20th, December 21st, where the majority of of this year's recruits uh, signed and some practiced before the bowl, and many have already enrolled and are back in in school at, at this particular time depending on where you're going, but, you know, th- this is interesting. It is. Um, I'm sure there's a real good opportunity that he could return, depending on who the next head coach, in fact, is going to be. You know, that whole transfer portal, I, I wonder, and, and this is the unwritten part of it that I haven't seen yet, but I think it was five days after the game. So I'm under the impression that right now you can't enter the transfer portal if you're on the active roster, but there will be an opportunity for you to do that after spring ball this summer. Another window will open where there'll be a second wave 
of uh, of transfer portal stuff happening all across college. Well, football. that is true that there is a second transfer portal that opens in the spring, but there's a waiver. So because he retired, um, the all the all the teams in college football, including SEC teams, have 30 days to get these kids. So there is a like a special transfer portal just for Alabama kids for 30 days now. So we could see a lot happening very soon. All right, so that begins today. I guess now or tomorrow wow. or whatever, very soon, though. Yeah, they, you don't have to wait till the second portal. Uh, Rick, I know you're a music guy. This is from the 5951. I am. I compare Saban uh, to a musician. I'm not a big Prince fan, but you have to respect the genius and the greatness. It's the same with Saban. I'm not a Bama fan. I don't know much about him, but you have to respect the greatness. There will never be another like him. Interesting you went the route of Prince. Okay. Uh, You're right about that. There will never be another Prince, never be another guy who entertained the way that he did. I don't know if I'd label Saban as a Prince. I don't know. He's the Beatles to me. He's Elvis. Yeah. I mean, what Saban did. And, you know, I learned out of the greatest of all time when it came to talking to the media in Bobby Bowden. And it was a culture shock to go from Bobby Bowden over here to Tom Coughlin. It was night and day. Don't get me wrong. I loved every moment of it. But it was literally night and day. Bowden was friendly. He loved everyone. I've never seen anyone talk through the media the way that Nick Saban did. He, he was just, he was brilliant. I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anyone that is even close in any sport. Maybe some of that Phil Jackson zen. I, I, I don't know. I mean, Lombardi will always be referenced, but that was old school. Phil Belichick's a bore. Um, I mean, who? Who else could you... And, and it, it, you know, it's so easy to just blow off the media or it's so easy to just give the media canned answers or it's so easy just to tell them, tell the media what they want to hear. But the way that Be- Belichick, uh, excuse me, um, Saban intimidated, but he also got his point through to his players. And, and that's the most important part of it. Remember that whole response to Jimbo? Oh, yeah. Saban was a star. Jimbo's like, turn over rocks. Go find it. I know what this guy did. I'm paraphrasing here. I don't remember. His yeah, it was exact actually quotes. Jimbo's response to Saban. Saban originally was like talking at a touchdown club when he knew he was being recorded and was like, hey, they bought their entire class. And then, <laughs> yes, Jimbo responds by saying, hey, I know where all, you know, he's not a saint, basically. He knows where all the bodies are buried and all this stuff. And, yeah, it was it was great theater for the off season. I want to read this story on the on the transfer uh, portal. Does does that include incoming freshmen? Do you know that? Uh, like guys that just signed? That guys who just signed. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, we need to find this out because it, this is really uh, intriguing. I was under the impression that they would be out. And I was thinking off air, I, this is, my thought was, well, this is kind of a cool way that Saban did it because at least he got his recruiting class in. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. He was also coaching in the Final Four. 
So, but yeah, this is, it almost feels like some uncharted water, which is kind of common for today's college football, the way everything has changed with the transfer portal and, and all of that. Bama's going to be fine. Okay. They may lose some kids. They still got a ton of money there and they're going to get a great coach. They are, but it is, it is going to be pretty intriguing. I've always felt that it is so hard if you are the man to replace the man especially if you go out the way that Saban did. I mean, the way that Belichick's gone out, he's had losing seasons the last couple of years, right? That's a little bit different. Yeah, uh, a team that just went to yeah. the, to overtime against the national champions Absolutely. in the playoff. And, and, and complained mightily about it last year. I mean, he lost two games to what? A&M and LSU, right? Didn't LSU go for two? And they beat them. And I think he lost... Two games by four points a year ago, and again lobbied for it. And, and and when I say lobbied for it, I say this in a respectful way. Wouldn't you want your coach going overboard to to lobby for you to be in it? Of course you do. You you want him to use his info. Saving got calls from officials that others wouldn't get. He he was absolutely he was godlike and he was revered. And this is a blow for college football. It was uh, Tennessee. They did lose to LSU last year, but I remember they finally lost to Tennessee. That's right. 52-49 in the game of the year. That's right. That game was, that game was sick. That game was absolutely nuts. All right, we got much more to do. Take you up until 8 o'clock right here on this Wednesday. Again, we're with you 6 to 8, both Thursday and Friday. To the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Yeah, I am gullible, but I'm trying to figure out if some of the stuff that's coming in tonight from our listeners is true or the exact opposite. Case in point, the 1882 says, uh, Ballou, my brother's an Alabama alum. He says he wants Day from Ohio State. Wow. That's a name I haven't heard brought up. Ohio State want him out. So maybe that'll work out perfect for both schools. Ryan Day, 20 to 1 on this list. Uh, the knock on him is that he can't beat Michigan. He can't win the big game, right? Uh, Bama's not the place to go if you can't win the big game. Uh, 2806, uh, Blue Oregon is in the Big Ten better than the crap in the ACC. Right, and do do me a favor because I will buy you cocktail after cocktail after cocktail. The day Oregon wins a national title, get to me. It's not going to happen in your lifetime. It's not going to happen in my lifetime. It's just not going to happen. You know, I I say things like this every year. Uh, Fifty six eleven blue would save it out. How many coaches before Alabama wins another national championship? Boy. That's a really good question. You know, I got to believe it just got far more difficult for Texas and Oklahoma. It just got far more difficult for USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington, right? Where did it get easier? I don't know. Is it Florida State? Is it Clemson? Is it Notre Dame? Where, where is it easier now? Anyone in the Big 12 now with those two schools remaining, uh, with those school, uh, two schools leaving? 
I mean, can you make a case for anyone in the Big 12 under a 12-team college football playoff? I would expect Alabama to go through some growing pains. I, I would. It just, that's, that's the way it happens. When's the last time we've had schools who were successful and won a national title was praised, uh, replaced by another coach who won a national title? You can go to Miami in the 80s. Yeah. Florida State took Florida State fourteen years. Uh, took Florida State thirteen years, from two thousand to two thousand thirteen. Who are we missing here? Michigan ninety seven to twenty four. Yeah, there are a lot of coaches in between there. Ohio State, all right. Ohio State with Trussell. Ohio State with Urban. Now Florida, that was a long time ago, from Spurrier to. And, and, you know, again, you had Zook in between them. I'm talking about next after that type of success. It didn't work that way at Michigan, you know. Certainly didn't work that way at Georgia. Certainly hasn't worked that way at, uh, at LSU. Les Miles never won a national title, right? He came close. Yeah, he did. Did Les win? That's right. He went to K- – so did it go from – Coach O – all right, so I, that would be your answer. Was Coach O next after Les? Yeah. There you go. There's your answer. Auburn was close. Gene Chizik to Gus Malzahn. So right there in that state, a lot of people forget that Chizik beat Chip Kelly in Oregon. And I, you know, I happened to be in the Rose Bowl the night that Florida State beat Gus Malzahn in, in Auburn. So it, it has happened, but in in how crazy is it at LSU that, that both those coaches won national titles and they were both shown the door? I mean, th- just think of the pressure in the SEC. Think of the pressure in the SEC West. Look what happened to Gene Chizik after winning it. Look what happened to Gus Malzahn after it, – it doesn't matter. It's, it's a yearly deal. I mean, look at the fire right now that Billy Napier – is under. Kirby Meyer, uh, Kirby Smart wins 29 in a row, and, you know, they're so talented there, and they return their quarterback, which is enormous in the world of college football, but if all of a sudden they started losing, he would hear it. That's, that's, that's tough sledding in the SEC, and, that, and that's the one. It's tough enough as it is. But when you replace Nick Saban, I mean, I can't think of anything worse or more difficult to do in anything in life, right? I mean, give me another one that would rival that. John Bonham died. They didn't even get a drummer for Led Zeppelin. They just said, that's it. We can't do it. I mean, David Lee Roth walked away, and they got Sammy Hagar. Give me another great band that lost it. I mean, if Mick Jagger... And he's going to pass at some point. Or Roger Daltrey. You know, Jim Morrison died and the Doors tried to make an album. They did. It went nowhere. I got one. How about David Letterman? Well, yeah. I mean, they're still, or or like Lennon, like. Well, Carson, well, you know, Carson the Letterman was interesting. That's a good one, yeah. Oh, I used to love late. I I just can't, I I just, I, I haven't watched late night stuff in over a decade. It's. Terrible. It really-
really is. It's so sad. I mean, everything's so serious now. It's so political, and it's, if you don't agree with me, I hate you. And, and instead of just, you know, throwing jokes at one another, everything is just so serious, especially with Kimmel. God, he's, he's unbearable. And ESPN won today. How about that with Rodgers is out? So, and I don't, I don't watch that show. I have nothing against Pat McAfee. As a matter of fact, I have all the respect in the world for him. They get paid the amount of money he gets paid. But from my understanding, that was like the best part of his show, right? The, the weekly Rodgers conversation. And, and you cancel him now as we have a month remaining in the NFL playoffs. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. And with that said, it's all about Nick Saban. He walks away with a record of 292 and 71 with a tie, won seven national championships. He is on Mount Rushmore right there with Bear Bryant. Two Alabama coaches. Nick Saban was absolutely spectacular. One of the great coaches in the history of sports in general and certainly one of the very best when it came to college football. He announced his retirement a little bit earlier today. All right, over at Key right now, tons of vehicles in the lot. I am a proud owner of the Key GMC Sierra. The GF loves her Key Buick Enclave. 23s in the lot, still brand new as well. Brand new 24s. Use cars as well. Make sure you visit them at Key. It is right across the street from Tinseltown, Southside, and Gates. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. How's that for breaking news today? Yeah, slow news day, right? I mean, good grief. Pete Carroll uh, is an afterthought now, which is amazing. He's one of only three guys to have a Super Bowl and a national championship to his credit. And then obviously the Nick Saban news this evening, so there is a lot to talk about. Yeah, and I know you'll catch that. I, I saw this earlier today. Let me see if I can pull it up for you. I thought it was interesting because everything has a link. Uh, I don't know the date on this, but Nick Saban has been added as an assistant at West Virginia. Um, he goes from West Virginia, has been picked up by Ohio State University head coach Earl Bruce to become the defensive secondary coach on the Buckeyes squad. Saban will replace Pete Carroll, who left Ohio State after the Rose Bowl to become the defensive coordinator at North Carolina It was 1980. Wow, there you go. Well, how about that? And I got one from Adam Schefter, and we'll have these all night. Alabama under Nick Saban. Had more first-round picks, 44, than they had losses, 29, in his tenure. Mm-hmm. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah, that was I mean, nuts. think about that. 44 first-round no. picks, only 29 losses. You know, I I, I think we're um, – it, it's – you know, I'm, I'm older than you are, but when I grew up, man, it was Chuck Knoll, Tom Landry, Don Shula. It was the great coaches that you thought of first before you thought of teams. You never do that anymore. And now you got Kirk Ferentz is the only remaining coach in college who was hired before 2000 and 1999, who, of course, worked with Saban in Cleveland under Belichick. After that, it's like Mike Gundy and, and, and Winningham in like 2005. In the NFL now, Tomlin's been there for 17 years. He may step away after the playoffs. Belichick's been there for 24 years. 
he may step away. That leaves you with Harbaugh and Reed. The days of long-tenured coaches in college and pro are gone. And when it comes to college, we saw in college basketball, Jay Wright, Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski, that was all like within a year span. Now Jim Beheim is gone, right? And now in, with, with Nick Saban at Alabama, is this a direct correlation to the older statesman, the elder statesman, if you will, the old guard, just they're done with NIL. They don't want to have anything to do with this. NIL and Transfer Portal, they, they're just out of there. They don't want to deal with it. Well, I thought the most obvious example of that was Roy Williams at North Carolina a few years ago. And I, I think that is becoming a, a whole part of this. I mean, Saban has had to change a little bit when it becomes the tough disciplinarian. You have to be more of a player's coach, but I, I think it would be hard on him and, and anyone who's been wired that way to look at these kids who are coming in who haven't done anything on campus yet, and they're making all this money. I think that is a factor in it. I don't think there's any doubt. What's coming up tonight? Yeah, obviously we're going to talk a lot about Nick Saban, a lot about Pete Carroll, and what a day it's been in the world of sports. Uh, former Jaguar wide receiver Cecil Shorts, will join me. Cecil had some very interesting things to tell me earlier. His thoughts on Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley after the Jaguar collapse at the end of the year. And we'll also have Mark Long of the Associated Press talking a little Jaguars as well. All right, Hack, have a lot of fun. Thanks, That's Rick. coming up right now. I do want to thank the Philly Godfather. I want to thank John Osher, uh, both for joining us here on the program. Uh, again, uh, just a ton tonight from you on the texts, and I do appreciate it. 641-1010 on our text line. I will not um, – I don't get a chance to check this when I'm not on air, and I haven't had an opportunity to respond to most of you, but I, it is appreciated. If you want to get me, you always can on Twitter, okay? Or I guess they call it X now. That is Blue1010XL. Tomorrow and Friday, we're back here from 6 until 8. For J.J. LaSalva, I am Rick Blue. We'll talk tomorrow at 6.